today to continue our series called CORE. Some of you have already gone through, previously, if you've been at the Foundry longer than 10 minutes, you have maybe gone through a class that we used to do called CORE, which was so important for us as a, a partnership class, but also a class that was great for helping you to understand how God has uniquely wired you and gifted you for ministry. And that's so important. We believe that we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Okay, not just as the Foundry Church, but as the church. All right. But what we wanted to do is every year we love to make sure that we reassess, readdress, go back to foundations. We know even in our own home as families, in our own lives, maybe as, as students and things like that, we can very quickly get off task. Can we not? We can. Oh, there was, that was an overwhelming amen. All right. You're like, squirrel. You know, that's me. It's like, whoo, gone. What happened? I, where was I even? Okay. Um, but we can quickly get off task. And the same thing can happen with the church. It can happen even faster. Okay. Because this thing is, is, is a quick moving organism. This church is a quick moving organism. And there's always things changing around us. Why? Because there's people involved. And we are always changing. So us, as the Foundry Church, have to make sure that we go back to the basics, go back to the core of what we believe, but also what's most important to us, those core convictions, those core things that we do not want to miss out on, that if we miss those things, we feel like we're missing everything. And that's very important for us to make sure we do that. Last week, we talked about surrender, and I think that was so important for us to have a heart of surrender. And this week, we're going to move in a different direction with another thing that is so important to us that I think we have to hold on to, uh, because if we don't understand what it means to be a servant, we will quickly become self-absorbed, selfish folk, showing up and punching the ticket in ministry, okay? So it's always fun to try to title uh, messages and if we were, do you do that in life? Do you just run around and say, I'd like to title this conversation I'm having with you today? Can I title this conversation I'm having with you? Because I just want to make sure I remember it. Okay, but we try to title our conversations, and I think it's important. And I think this is something for you that will, will come back to you as you do everyday life. And, and if we think about it this way, imitate, imitating, or imitation. Okay? Imitate or imitation. Imitating or or imitation, okay? And we'll get that. You're like, they're one and the same. Oh, no, we'll define it more later. But I want you to get that in your mind. Begin thinking about that as we talk through, uh, I think, one of the greatest stories of Scripture that we hear from a guy named Paul addressed to the church of Philippi, okay? So what we're going to do is give you a little bit of background. I think that's so important. Context of conversation is so important so that we have a greater understanding of what God was trying to say then and what he's saying to us now through his scripture and through the people that he chose to speak through, all right? So we see this context from the letter, the epistle, the letter to the church of Philippi, okay? Did you know that? That, it, that, the, that it's a church in Philippi, not just a Philippian people. It's a church. And Paul's writing from prison. That sounds very exciting, okay? Writing from prison, his prison letters, which are so great and so exciting because he's writing from a place, and this is what's so amazing about Paul. He's in a jail cell, but he is writing from a place of gratitude and great joy. Now, if you think of prison, do you think of joy and gratitude? Are those synonymous in your mind? You're like, oh, I love prison. I'm so happy! You know, it's like, no, chains then. Now it's bars. 
electronic locks, solitary confinement, being all alone. When you think of prison, we don't automatically think, I'm so happy. No, we don't think that. We think the worst place in the world. But here Paul is writing to the church that he helped to found on his second missionary journey. And his overall theme is joy. And this is so important for us to see because Paul was was and still is in Scripture a real-life person trying to be a follower of Christ. And I think it's so important that he wants to help people understand that you can and will and desire should desire to have joy. And he says this in Philippians 1.13, again, just giving you some context. We're going to go to chapter 2 in just a moment. He says, because of Jesus, I am in chains. And when you hear him say something like that, you, you would kind of feel it's like, because of Jesus, I'm in chains. That's not his attitude. Because of Jesus, I'm in chains. You ever thought of it that way? Paul is pumped to be in chains. Why is he pumped to be in chains? Because... He's in a place that he can further the gospel that much more. And how often do we look at our jailhouse experiences? How often do we look at that place and say, I can do something with this? He says, because of Jesus, I am in chains. Because of Jesus, we put others before ourselves, what Paul's talking about here. Because of Jesus, we serve. Because of Jesus, Paul's like, I'm in prison. Because of Jesus, Paul says, I will take this place and advance the gospel. I'm trying to get to the heart here of ourselves and what we think about life and how we handle it. Everything we do and should be based around us putting others before ourselves and having the willingness to serve. Our main goal in life is to make Jesus famous. And I want that to be a trademark that we keep putting in our mind as well. My life should be every single day an opportunity to make Jesus famous. We're going to unpackage this more as we continue on. So we see Paul speaking in Philippians 1, 15 through 18, saying that some people, he's like, this is where the rubber begins to meet the road. He says, some people preach the gospel with a good heart. They mean well. But then there's some that preach the gospel with a selfish ambition. And that word ambition is going to come up later too. Because it's so important. He's like, regardless the gospel's being preached, however, Paul's talking about the heart. Okay? So we also see him in uh, verse uh, 27 of chapter 1. That in everything and in all ways and everything we do, we are to conduct ourselves, right, in such a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conducting ourselves in such a way that is worthy of the good news message of Jesus Christ. So how do we pursue this life? How do we have this true and honest heart uh, to becoming a servant of God just like Jesus was? Well, see, we read on in chapter 2, and Paul begins to unpackage this for us. And what we're supposed to do here, guys, is we're supposed to imitate Christ, not be an imitation of Christ. Okay, let's get real for a second. Who likes to eat? Oh, thank you. All right, there's my foodies, which is hopefully every one of us. There's this thing in life... There's this thing in life. How many, how many of you like seafood? Matt knows now that he can eat seafood, bless God. We learned that a few weeks ago. The devil and his mama was a liar for a little bit. Okay? She's like, silly, Matt. You can eat seafood. I hate you! All right. But I love you. So they went and had seafood together, and it was great. There's this thing called imitation crab meat. 
Thank you. Can I get booze? Where's my booze at? Hey, boo. No. Where's my booze at? Imitation crab meat. How about crab legs? Can I get some? Yeah. All you can eat crab legs. Popping and locking and dipping and sipping and woo. How about this? How about this? Where's my baker's at? Where's my baker's? Okay. There's this thing. There's this thing that the devil made called imitation vanilla. I love this response. Then there's this real thing called pure vanilla. Real vanilla. Just like me. All right? Does it make things taste better? Heck yes. It does. It was like, well, you can't really tell the difference. You need to fix your palate, okay? I want real. I don't want fake. And when if we, if we like actually define this, okay, and I, hopefully I'm not getting too ahead of myself, all right, I, I'll slow down just a little bit. If we really define this, we'll see that there's a major difference, and we'll define it later. I'm not going to get ahead. There is a major difference to someone that is imitating Christ and someone that's an imitation of Christ, okay? So as we read, as you listen, chapter 2, Follow along with me in your minds and hearts. You'll see some, some uh, scripture there on the screen. Maybe you have your, your word as well with you. Just open that up, Philippians 2. All right, so Paul again from prison, overarching theme, joy. Have joy, have joy. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, he says. He wants yours to be complete, but he's saying also, church that I helped to found on that missionary journey, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He says this, in your relationships, he starts talking about this, in your relationships with one another, this is what life is about, us doing life with others until we're with him to do it there forever in heaven, right? Life in heaven with him and each other. He says, Have the same mindset. Another word for this, another translation says attitude. Say attitude. Attitude. Say it like you got some. Say attitude. Attitude. A lot of you, that came pretty easily. Um, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the attitude, as Christ Jesus. I love this. He's saying, get into the mind of Jesus. We'll, We'll unpackage this more and what this really means, okay? Okay, he says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, okay? Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, right? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, the most despicable, ugly death of that time and probably since then, okay? Therefore, all right, there's the change. Because of, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name, right, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Okay, are you with me here? And every tongue acknowledge, okay, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God 
the Father. So when we look at verses 1 through 2, he says, if you get anything out of being a follower of Christ, guys, he's speaking to that church of Philippi, if you get anything out of being a follower of Jesus, being his co-heir to the kingdom is what Scripture calls us, co-heirs with Christ, which means joint ownership, if you will, joint sons and daughtership to this kingdom. Any comfort in the love, right, that he has for you, any fellowship with his Holy Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, he says, then... Make my, which is Paul's joy, complete by being like-minded. Remember this? Possessing the same love, being of one spirit and purpose, being one. So how do we do that? We see Paul answer that in verses 3 through 4. He says, do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Okay? Let me define ambition. I think this is so important. Because when you define your ambition, you define a lot of things in your life. See, ambition, when you look at it in the context of the Scripture here and when it's defined, this ambition is rivalry, okay? This is seeking followers and adherents by means of gifts or your giftedness even. See, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? Why do you go the places that you go? The question, and we'll get back, this, back to this at the very end when we're wrapping all this up, what is your ambition, What is your ambition in life? Is it to climb the corporate ladder only to realize that you stepped on everybody's fingers, toes, face, and everything to get to the top, and then you get to the top and you find yourself there by yourself at the top? Is it to be the Lord of your family and you find yourself in an unhappy marriage? You know, the kids don't respect you. You know, maybe maybe the job thing doesn't give you the fulfillment that it once did. What's your ambition? Maybe it's to find that special someone someday, to find that person that you've been looking for, right? That person that you, what is your ambition? See, the question that we really have to ask is, is why do we do what we do? Do we do it for ourselves or do we do it for God? And he's talking about your ambition here. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, not to elevate yourself, but only to elevate God. We'll unpackage that more. He says in verse 5, we need to have the mindset, the attitude. We need to have that right attitude, and this may take a change in our lives, to have the mindset and the attitude of Jesus Christ. Attitude, listen to this. It's a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically, one that is reflected, you know, an attitude that is reflected in one's behavior. All right, and you think about this in your own life. You can see how you can have an attitude towards certain people or certain things, right? Certain things, certain people are red hot, red button issues in your life. As soon as that comes up, you're like, well, I'm going to tell you what, right? And you go up on Facebook. Oh, that's fun. All of a sudden, I'm empowered with my keyboard, board, 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 board. And you send, I got you. You know, and everybody's like, you're crazy, okay? I don't know what you just did, but you're crazy. (laughs) You're scaring me, actually. Trying to flex in ways like that, or maybe the attitude that we may have parents towards our kids or kids towards our parents, where you're like, all they try to do is lord over me and make my life a living hell, you know? And it's like, no, they're actually trying to help you get to college, okay? Or the kids. Sometimes this is hard, parents, to understand them little boogers. Isn't it hard sometimes? And what do we do? Even parents, we get an attitude towards our kids. Man, I'm listening. I've done it myself. The Lord has convicted me. A lot of times I'm riding a mower when he convicts me and I'm listening to something. I'm like, you better go home and fix that. 
Because that's when I have time to think. I'm on a task. And I go home and I sit at the table with my daughter. And I say, you know what? I haven't had a good attitude towards you on this. It goes both ways. And then what's even funnier is when they get an attitude with you or people get an attitude with you and they speak it with their posture like, <laughs> be like, why is your hip back so far? What's wrong? Is your back hurting you or something? I'll tell you what. It's like, I'm going to tell you what. All right. <laughs> posture, position, pose, or even stance physically, but also even emotionally towards people. Do nothing out of this selfish ambition Rather, choose humility and have the right attitude. So what is your ambition in life? Because your ambition informs your attitude. It does, doesn't it? What you want informs the way you act. Who you're living for informs who you hang out with and the attitude that you have towards everybody around you. Change your ambition and your attitude will follow. Okay? Change your ambition and your attitude will follow. So how do we drive this home? We have to change our thinking to that of the thinking of Christ. We have to change our thinking. That's hard, isn't it? Anybody think that's hard to change the way you think? I think it's one of the most difficult things in life, changing one's thinking. Because what? everything's been great. I feel fine. I'm wonderful. I've built this great little cush world around me because of my thinking and my action and my attitude. I am so protected by the decisions that I've made. I don't have to put myself in harm's way. Everything is wonderful because I have the right attitude. I have the right boundaries. We're talking about servanthood and putting others before ourselves. So how do we become like Christ? We have to change our thinking. So when we look at this, verses 6 through 7, I see here that Jesus thought some things that are important for us. And the one thing he thought here, Jesus thought, I will give up everything to become something. Okay, and I want us to, to get into this, and I'm, I hope I unpackage this well. But Philippians 2, 6 through 7, who being in the very nature, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of servant being made in human likeness. There's a big Christianese term that I'm going to throw out at you real quick. But I'm going to define it so it makes sense. There's this thing called incarnation. It's the act of a pre-existent God. A son of God here is what we see. Assuming human body and human nature. See, Jesus gave up everything to come to this earth to be a servant. What does it mean to be a servant? A fully devoted follower to the plan of God in one's life. I think we really forget this sometimes. We're like, Jesus is my homeboy. He's so awesome. I just love him. I just want to praise him all day long. I just want to sit here and be like, kumbaya and like, hallelujah. And and God, thank you for sending Jesus. He's like amazing and such a role model. And I I just want to live like him, like him. Jesus left heaven to come to this place we call earth. Think about this. He said, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to give up everything. At just the right time, too. He's going to, he did. He gave up everything, and he came to this ugly place called earth. I think we forget that side of Jesus and what he may have felt in this moment. And that I am willing to give up everything to make myself nothing. It says that he made himself nothing. Another translation says he emptied himself. He emptied himself, guys. And I don't think we get this sometimes. He poured himself out. 
and said, everything that I have, all the rights as God's son, that one that was already up there and everything was perfect, I'm pouring it all out so that I can become flesh and bone. So that I can become the sacrificial lamb of God. So that I can become the atonement for sin once and forever. I'm pouring myself out. And I've got to go to that ugly place called the world. He said, I'll give up everything to become something. Our attitude has to be this, one of sacrifice. Jesus showed us 100% God, 100% man. He never stopped being a deity, the deity, the son of God. He never stopped being that. But he took on this understanding of the incarnation of becoming flesh and feeling what you feel every single day. We're challenged to completely devote ourselves to the cause of salvation and the good news message, an attitude of sacrifice. The second thing that I feel like Jesus thought here is he said, you know what? I will depend on God and not myself. He emptied out himself and also the understanding that he was able to do whatever he wanted when he wanted to do it. Think about this. He gave himself over to the will of God. He gave himself over to the plan of salvation. He gave himself over. And I think we forget this a lot. And this is what Paul wanted to remind us of from that jail cell. He wanted to remind us, okay? Philippians 2.8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross humbled himself. He brought himself low, willing to be humiliated, fully dependent on God, not himself. Became obedient, which is someone that listens to and becomes submissive to. He became submissive to the cause of himself, Christ, but the cause of the good news message, the gospel going forward. He emptied himself, and then he said, I'm going to completely humble myself. We see in John 10, 18, I love this, the the good shepherd. We see that Jesus' heart here was that I will depend on God, not myself by my own doing. No one takes it, life, okay, decisions for me. This is what Jesus is saying. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Jesus came to give his life for his sheep, for you and I, on his own will, on his own accord. Listen, I don't want you to forget this. I don't want you to to just like glaze over and like, I'm ready for lunch. This is the best news you can ever hear, but also the best news that Jesus wants to see played out in your life too. We also see the heart of Christ in this moment as he was humbling himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think this is so important because we see the absolute humanity of Christ as he is in this deep, dark place. Mark 14, 32 through 36. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, right, his top dogs, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled, greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. A lot of times we forget the humanity of Christ. We're like, he's fine. He's God, man. He's fine. When he emptied himself out, he took on this human flesh so that he could be so sorrowful, so full of sorrow, listen to him, what he's saying here, the words from his heart and his love for you, even to death. Have you ever been so sad that you wish you could just 
stop existing? Some people suffer from this. Some people suffer from a thing called depression. Terrible news coming just in the last couple weeks of a pastor who took his own life because the deep, dark, dark, spiraled down pit called depression. A pastor. It's easy, y'all. Don't worry. Pastoral ministry, it's fun. It's so easy. Because everything that you have, we carry. If you're a true pastor, you actually care. If you're a true pastor, and if you're a true follower of Christ, if you are a true follower of Christ, you care too. And we see the humanity of Christ here. He told them, remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, listen to what Jesus is saying here. God, I'm tempted to not want to do this all together. Listen to me. He says, if it were possible, I know it's not, but if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. This time that I am in, God, this deep, dark sorrow, God, if it's possible, can this pass? Can you give me something? Can you help me? Even Jesus to God. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. And you see Jesus deciding in this moment, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, God, but what you will. To the point of sorrow. Let me tell you something. Serving people is not sexy. It is not fun. It's not glamorous. You waking up early to come here and make coffee for somebody? Wonk, wonk. Okay, let's be real. Having to clean this church, which we need help, that is not fun. Who loves cleaning toilets? Exactly. Bring the toothbrush, because we really get it nice. Who loves listening to babies cry in the nursery? Wah, wah, wah. Who loves cleaning pews? <laughs> Ooh, there can be a lot of things in those seats, especially those, those ones that have like a delayed scent release. <laughs> you know what I'm saying by that? That's nasty. Who loves, Jesus is saying here in this moment, remove this cup if you can, God. I can't, it's so much to bear. So my question is, in this, okay? As Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he was consumed. As he's asking God to let this season go, let this power, this, this, um, this moment, this hour go. As he cries out, Abba, Father, he says, Daddy, Daddy, I'm telling you, oh, I'm hurting so bad here. He cries out, why was he hurting so bad? Why was Jesus hurting so bad in this moment? I don't know if you've ever read this in this way. Jesus was coming face to face with sin. He was about to bear all of our sin. Jesus was going to have to understand death for the first time, personally. Jesus was going to have to understand what it was like, okay, to be ridiculed in such a way, hated in such a way that no one else has ever been hated before. He was going to know what it was like for someone to take a cat of nine tails, okay, is what they call it, a cat of nine tails, and sling it into his back, whip it with their wrist, which then lash, like connects in to the flesh because it's all this bone and all kinds of nasty stuff and glass in it, connects in and then rips flesh from his body as they pull it back. He knew at that moment what pain was going to be like. He knew what it was going to be like to have a spear shoved into his side. He knew what it was going to be like for somebody to pull his beard out. He knew what it was going to be like also, listen to this, for people to feel the pain of his death. 
the incarnation of Christ coming to earth to feel your pain. All in one moment. Imagine a Job experience in your life. Your family dies, you lose this, you lose that, all in one fell moment. Jesus was inundated by you and by me. Because that's what it was all about. Him coming to this place to serve, to serve, even unto death, death on a cross. Why? Because of you, because of me. And it's always been about you and me. It's never stopped being about you and me from the very beginning. God created man, and it's never stopped being about you and me. Sin overtook the world. God said, I got to do something. It's always been about you and me. It's never stopped being about you and me. So much so, Jesus said, I will give time Christ's life even unto death. Romans 5, 8, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. For one will uh, scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one will dare even to die. But God shows, he demonstrates. Jesus demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died. Because it's always been about you. It's always been about me. It's never stopped being about you, and it's never stopped being about me. Why? Because he wants you and me with him there forever. And that will never change. It'll never change. So what are we supposed to have here? What's our mindset supposed to be? An attitude of surrender. And then we see the gear switch a little bit here. Worship team, you guys can make your way up as we conclude this morning. This third thing, we see before that Jesus thought, you know, to himself and his mindset that was there. But then I feel like there was a change that happened in Philippians 2, especially 9 through 11. When that word comes up, therefore. After all of this that Jesus thought and what he did, there's a therefore in there. And we see that God thought that I will raise him up. He's willing to do all of this and I will raise him. Him up because of this. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on, under, and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God forever. Because of Jesus' servanthood and humility, God exalted him to the highest place, the right hand of the Father. When we talk about our ambition, we talk about why we do what we do, we see here that God is looking for a people to raise up, always. He's always looking for a people to raise up. But he can only raise those up. He can only elevate, exalt them into a place, not the right hand of the Father like Jesus. It's a little different here, okay? We're co-heirs, but we're not, we're not there yet, all right? We're not, we're not there, okay? We're still here. But he's looking to raise you up. If and when you have the right ambition, you have the right heart, and it is a heart of sacrifice, a heart of surrender toward God. When you say, not my will, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in anything and everything. The last thing we see here is that God will choose your time of elevation. He will choose the time that he elevates you 
to the right position that he has for you on this earth until he has us all together there in heaven. God will choose. He's the judge. He's the judge. Not you, not me. So what is your ambition in life? Like we started with, is your ambition in life, okay, to lift up the name of Jesus? For real. Or do you like, you know, I'm going to do some good things because hopefully I'll get recognized on Sunday morning. Right, Charles? Hopefully, Charles is thinking, if I clean the pews, Justin will say Sunday morning, Charles, thank you so much for cleaning the pews. I know that's a dirty, nasty job. God bless you. Go and sin no more. (laughs) Charles had the wrong heart in the whole thing. If it's Matt's heart to get up here every single Sunday to flex his worship-leading skills, which you have great worship-leading skills and your flex is amazing. However, if it's his heart to get up here to sing songs, very quickly, God will take him out of this position. Right? And if we have the right heart, you'll be totally okay with God taking you out of that worship-leading position, that worship-pastor position, because you know you don't have the right heart. Your ambitions are off. If my ambition is off and I'm trying to make the Foundry Church Pastor Justin Myers, 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 pyros and stuff and Matt in the background famous, then this won't last. But if it's my desire, my ambition to hide out as much as I can and say, Matt, get up here. You lead worship, okay? But also, you know what else? Can you speak? I'd love to speak. Great. I want you to do that too. Because we have to have a posture, a position in life that we are trying to make Jesus famous. And if we're trying to make ourselves famous, that'll never happen. There's a conflict of interest there. You're building your kingdom, not his. And what he's saying to you today is like, what's your ambition? The church needs somebody to clean toilets. He needs somebody to run up here. They call it the sweeper. We call it the vacuum. Need somebody to clean the steps sometimes because our outside church leaves a little mess sometimes. Yeah, that's what we need. We need people in the parking lot saying, hey, park here. That's the excited person. We need people at the door that open the door and say, I'm so glad you're here. What's your name? We need people that lead connect groups, okay, that have the heart of Christ, that are hospitable, that open their homes and their lives to people, that that they're not doing it for themselves. It's a labor of love. Do Do you think our connect group leaders want every single maybe or every other week people at their house? It's not the funnest or the most funner thing to do, as Drew would say. We're still quoting him on that. But if we're servants and we have the right ambition, we're in this to make Jesus famous, not yourself. So you have to ask yourself, what's my ambition? John 3.16. For God so loved the world. I remember this when you were a kid. The only verse you knew, either that or John 11. But 11.35, right? Jesus wept. Shortest one ever. Love it. Nailed it. Scripture memorization was my thing. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he just gave. We know what he gave. We know who he gave. 
okay? Four, and when I do this next time, I want you to say your name, okay? After I say four, you're going to say your name loud, okay? You're going to say your name loud. Four. Let's try it again. Four. Is that like 75%? Maybe 82. All right, say it louder. Four. So love the world that they gave. If you said somebody else's name, that's your bad. Because that tells your heart. Just kidding, but get it real, bro. He knows I love him. I want my name to be in the blank. I want your name to be in the blank that you love this world so much that you're willing to give. That you love Morgantown so much. You love Waynesburg so much. You love your workplace so much. You love your university so much. You love your family so much. You love serving so much. You love cleaning toilets so much that you hate it. You love it so much that you're willing to give. God gave his best so we can give the rest, guys. And whatever that looks like, we'll define it as we go along. Because this is a living, moving organism called the church. For you love so much that you give. That's what we do. That's what we do. And if you don't have the right ambition, I'm sad to say, life will spit you out. If we have one mind, one heart, if we have the attitude of Christ, if you don't have that, guys, sadly, this thing called the church, not just the foundry, it'll spit you out. Because we are supposed to be imitating, not a imitation. We're not counterfeit con artists of the faith. We're real and we're legit. We are imitating Christ. We are doing as he he did. We are following in his footsteps. It's an action. It's not something we obtain as a noun. It's it's an action. I've had imitation vanilla and imitation crab meat of the devil. I don't want it anymore. That's a possession versus an action. We will imitate Christ, imitators of Christ, imitating Christ in everything we do. We will not be an imitation. We will not be a counterfeit of who Christ was and who he is still today. We will keep it real. This is a core conviction. And that is expressed through servanthood, just like Jesus did. So I want you this week to to kind of mull over that more and read that even more, to keep running about what Jesus really did. Because a lot of times we just glaze over and just keep running on in life and, and not think about how he became flesh. 100% God, 100% man, but became flesh to understand what you feel today. And he was in deep sorrow because of it. Because of the deep joy that you could have in him now. All right? I'm excited. I'm pumped. Because I know that God has said something to your heart. And it's not just for this building, meaning the foundry that's located here. It's for all the ministries and things that we support. It's you giving yourself over to the purpose of Christ when you go back to your campus, back to your home, back to your work. I will serve. I will serve. I will pick up the trash off the table in the lunchroom. Even though my coworkers, you thought I was going to say school, <laughs> even though my coworkers have not cleaned up a day in their lives, I'll grab the trash. 
You know what I mean? We'll serve even in the low, even the lowest of ways. And when you do, you are looking just like him. Just like him. I love to look like my brother. Not my one here, the one up there. I'm better looking than the one here. Humility, just kidding. Mom, you agree? Don't say that. She's here. I want to look like Jesus. I want to smell like Jesus. I want people to, when they get around me, they feel like they've been with Jesus, not Justin. I want them, when they think of my name, it's going to be synonymous, not like risen Savior Jesus, servant Jesus. Because I'm not the Alpha and Omega. I'm not the beginning and the end. I'm the tail end of this whole deal, I feel like. It's fine. But I want people, when they see my life, when they see your life, to see Jesus. To see Jesus. To feel Jesus. To know Jesus. And then they, too, will make him known with their lives. Are you willing to serve? For, for us, it's one of the most important things. It's a core value. It's not doctrine, but it's a core value. We're willing to do it. So do me a favor. Close yourselves in just one moment with the Lord. <clears throat> and before we make a decision to be a servant, I want us to hear the context of this message and that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for you. Which means you can experience forever with him. The most important decision you will ever make in your whole life, listen to me, it is not where you go to school, it is not the job you choose, it's not even the mate you choose, because that's a choice too. It's you choosing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because remember, at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's under him. Because there's no way to the Father but through the Son. What does that mean? Jesus dying on the cross, coming back to life, made a way that you can be connected to God forever. So the thing that you have to do is make a decision. Before you make a decision to serve, yes, you've got to humble yourself in this moment and say, I know I can't make it on my own. I'm going to come up under God's authority through Christ Jesus. So what does that look like? It's a conversation that you have in this moment you say God I give my life to you I repent I turn from the direction that I thought was best for my life and I turn to you and I ask for forgiveness for any sin anything that separated me from you if that's something you would like to do this morning maybe for the first time or you haven't done it for 15 years and you've lost track you've lost you've lost your identity in Christ if you could just look at me for a moment. If your eyes are open, just close them now if you've already made that decision. But look at me for just a moment, okay? Thank you. You can close them when you're done. Thank you. 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 Okay. God, I thank you so much for the love of your spirit because that's what we feel right now, the love of your spirit, the Holy Spirit that draws us to you. Lord, I thank you that you draw us to you and you love us so much that you've given us this word that we can communicate in a place like this called the church or anywhere else we go 
explaining to people how good you are and how great your love is for us. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for this understanding that on our own, we were going down a certain path, but we've, we've given you control and, and, and given you the ability to will over our lives and we come up under your will and we say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll follow you. We thank you for that. And God, I thank you that beyond this day, it's not going to be what we say, but in this moment, what we do, how we choose to serve. Lord, we will put our faith into action. Jesus didn't say, ah, I'm going to die on the cross and never go there. He said, I'm going to die on the cross, and he went there. Jesus, we want to serve just like you did. We want to honor our Father just like you did. So today, we will make a choice with our lives to become servants. We will humble ourselves. Our ambition, Jesus, is to make you famous. The acts that you had on this earth will determine the actions that we have going forward. What you did gives us the marching orders for what we're to do so we will serve. And that's not something we say here today, but something we do tomorrow. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we bless you. In Jesus' name.